Braves, Bulldogs, Falcons, Yellow Jackets, Hawks, Eagles. From the heart of Georgia, it's the Bill Shank Show. Hour number two of our program. Welcome back. Thank you very much for being with us. I'm Bill Shanks with Russ Brown. Next segment, Brent Rollins will join us to talk Georgia football and NFL Combine football. And then we will start taking your phone calls. First, let's talk a little Hawks basketball. The legendary voice of the Atlanta Hawks is Steve Holman. And he is kind enough to join us now. And we thank you so much for coming back to the Georgia Sports Hall of Fame ceremony last weekend. It was great to see you. Well, thank you, Bill. It was great to see you and great to see everybody. I mean, I just think it's one of the uh, fantastic events that uh, that we have every year in this state. And uh, I, anytime I can be there with the schedule allowing it, I'm always going to be there because uh, I just am so appreciative of being in the Hall of Fame. And, and, and just it's a it's a hoot for me to go see all the guys that are that are there and, uh, you know, just kind of mingle with everybody and uh, have a few cocktails and hear the stories and, you know, uh, I got to sit with Pete Cox, who's 91 years old this week, and uh, we had a great time. <laughs> That's great. No, it was a, a great weekend for sure, and it was uh, always a great class. Can't wait to see who will be going in next year, but it's great to have you in there and have you there every year that you can make it, as you said. All right, let's 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 talk about, uh, first of all, the game last night. Um, I, I know it was not a great outcome obviously hell of a game though i mean my gosh it was like boy why haven't we had the chance to watch the wizards and the hawks earlier than this but entertaining as heck but uh they couldn't stop bradley bill could they no i mean he had a season high last night i think it was 37 points and you know they just couldn't stop him down the stretch uh i think they went on a 17 to 5 run in that fourth quarter and uh you know quinn snyder's first game i think he got a look uh pretty much at what we would say, I guess, is a, that game was kind of a microcosm of our season. Uh, you know, a game that uh, had a 10-point lead at one time, and uh, he, as Trey himself said after the game on the post-game uh, news conference, he said, you know, I've got to do a better job at closing out games. And I think that's one of the things that Quinn Snyder will bring to the table. Uh, I think, you know, once he gets hands-on here a little bit, and he had a full practice today, he's going to have another full practice tomorrow, uh, so it works out pretty well, I think, that we have two days before our next game. Uh, you know, and then we go on this, this road trip that's going to be very tough, uh, two in Miami, two in Washington. And I think by the time uh, we come to a week from Friday, uh, you know, we're going to have a pretty good idea of, of where we're going to finish in this thing. Absolutely, no doubt. So what, what were your impressions of Quinn Snyder before all of this happened? As you watched him in Utah for eight years, what do you think about him? Well, you know, first of all, he was here, you know, for a year. Uh, he was here with Bud, yeah. Bud for one year before he got that Utah job. So uh, I was able to get to know him, you know, pretty well during that year. And, uh, you know, he's just uh, – he, he's a great guy. He's a, he's a great basketball mind. Uh, not only a basketball mind, but he's really like a, uh, you know, high IQ uh, type of uh, intellectual type, you know, thinker. I would refer to him as a thinker, I guess. Uh, you know, and he's, he's, uh, he just brings all of that to the table and he, he can listen, he can teach, he can coach. So I think all of those things together are going to be a very good positive for the Hawks, uh, not only the rest of this 20 games, but, you know, looking down the line in the future with him, uh, and, and you know, Kyle Corver was the one who made the connection with him because Kyle was here 
when when Quinn was here in 2014. So uh, immediately he and Landry Fields, you know, reached out to to Quinn as soon as the you know the opening was there, and uh, you know he was receptive to it, and uh, you know it worked out nicely because he would have been very sought after during the summer. So. I think it worked out great, and and it's 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 sure. a bonus that he gets to look at this team for twenty games, so he'll have a lot to do uh, this summer with what you know the personnel stuff is. He's going to have a good voice in that, along with Landry and Kyle and the rest of the the, uh, the scouting staff and Tony and Jamie. And uh, I think it's you know it's something that's really it's a positive that he's going to be here for twenty games. I hope it works out that we make it into that number six spot before it's all over with to try to avoid the play in, but. Uh, you know, either way, it's it's. I think it's a it's a very good positive that he's here. You know, it's not easy for a guy who is a college coach to make the transition to the NBA. I know, you know, twenty years ago we had Lon Kruger, a great guy who struggled with that a little bit, Steve. But Quinn had some issues at Missouri, and then I I think it's a great story because you got to give the man credit for going from being the head coach of Missouri, having a, an issue there at the end, and then going to the NBDL before being an assistant coach, including with Atlanta with Mike Budenholzer, as you mentioned, and, and, and kind of reinventing himself. as a, yeah. Had a G League stint, too. Yeah. So that was you know very helpful for him. So, so, so he, like you're talking about, he didn't really make the jump you know, directly from college to the pros, right. which, as you mentioned, is very tough, and it was – you know, it's, and it's been proved that no matter who the coach is, you know, Calipari, Patino, none of them have been able to really succeed. No. Uh, Tar- Tarkanian, you know, came into the San Antonio <laughs> situation. Uh, and it's, it's generally not worked out for these college coaches. But Quinn took that route where he went, you know, to the minor leagues, then became an assistant coach, and then he was ready to jump right in uh, at Utah. And he had very successful seasons there. Um, you know, I think he got, after eight years, he decided he wanted to spend time with his family and he did that. And, uh, you know, he said he was very happy to be able to take his kids to school every day and do that kind of thing. And, and now he's ready to jump back in with both feet. Yeah. It's really interesting story. I think for him to have that, have that journey along the, the coaching, uh, uh, carousel there. All right. So, um, Jason Walker and I were talking yesterday on the show about, you know, what what can he see when he looks at this team? And, Steve, the main thing that pops out for me, unlike your thoughts on it, is, look, he's known, according to Kyle Corver, and we heard Chandler Parsons on the podcast earlier this week talking about the fact, you know, he's known as an offensive guy. Uh, there's a lot of offense on this team. So he's got to be real curious as to what his thought process can can create with the the people that are in place here. Will he be able to do that in twenty games, or is he just going to go with the flow and then make the changes going into next year? How do you think this is going to kind of unfold with him? Well, he he was hands on last night coaching. Uh, there were a couple times down the stretch he let Joe Prunty draw up a couple of plays when it got close at the end. Right. Uh, you know, he said he's going to lean on Joe quite a bit and the assistant coaches uh, because they've been here you know all year and seen everything. Uh, but he's going to add his own little t- twists and touches to everything. And I, like I said earlier, I think the fact that he's going to have two full practices today and tomorrow, uh, I think that's a big plus that he can put some of his stamp on this thing and uh, and get us rolling into the weekend and then into those games in Miami and uh, Washington. So uh, I think there is a, is a good chance that he can make a big impact in this last 20 games. And it's also a great opportunity for him to evaluate what, what he sees uh, on this team, 
because they're they're going into the summer. They've got a lot of a lot of things they could do, a lot of maneuverability with contracts and salary cap and things like that. So uh, I think, uh, as I said earlier, he's going to have a good uh, a big say in the personnel things. I think that was one of the one of the things that they talked about when he took the job with with Landry and Kyle. And uh, so I think this twenty game set is going to. And last night he also said he hadn't slept all night because he watched film all night, you know, tape all night. <laughs> So, you know, he's diving into this both feet. So I think it's going to be great. Um, I really like him. And, uh, you know, he, he, he's he's a good uh, communicator with players. Uh, I think that's one of the things that he's going to really bring to the table is that he can relate to these younger guys a little bit and uh, be able to talk to them. He's already had, you know, a lot of, like, hands-on conversations with them at shoot-around yesterday and, and right. at the practices and I think that's going to be one of the great things, the, the communication factor with Quinn. Steve Holman is our guest, the radio voice of the Atlanta Hawks. Russ and I were talking yesterday about the fact that, you know, look, there's there's talent on this team. That's what has been so frustrated, frustrating about them lingering around the 500 mark. We know they're better than this. And, and I, I mean, it's about the pieces that come together for a team. But, I mean, individually, they're, they're 10 deep. They can really play. But it's just like something's been missing all all year, and it's like, well, Quinn, can you find it? Because there's talent yeah, there. It, you, I, I hear you talk about it every game on the radio about how talented this group is. Yeah, I mean, there's a, you're right. There's a lot of talent there. Uh, they just have to figure out the chemistry thing, I think, uh, and, and uh, hopefully Quinn can do that these last 20 games. And, uh, you know, there have been so many games this year that, that they've come so close to winning that they didn't. And and look at how close we are right now to that sixth spot. I think what three games out in the loss column, and and you start looking back at the season. And you know one of the things in the NBA they always say don't look back. You just look ahead because there's a game every night almost. Uh, but you look at the three games that they lost to Charlotte. Uh, you, you look at like the ten or eleven games that they had ten point leads in and lost, like last yeah. night. So if you could take let's say one of the Charlotte games. And let's say out of the 11 that they lost leads of 10 or more and say even three of those, there's your four games. Then you'd be at mm. number six spot right now. So it's it's that close to happening. So I think that, that Quinn could hold the key to, to making it happen. When you look at this Eastern Conference right now, how, how do you kind of uh, look at this horse race as far as how this is going to shake out? I mean, there's some really good teams we know, and Atlanta could be one of them, but how – how what, kind of put the Hawks in in comparison to these other teams at the top and how how they can compete with them? Well, I mean, the, the, you know, there's a, a line after probably you know Milwaukee's won 15 in a row now. Last night they won their right. 15th straight. You know, the Celtics have been very good all year. Uh, I don't expect them to, to step back any at all. Uh, you start looking down the five, six, seven, Cleveland. Uh, you know, then then Brooklyn and, and the Knicks and the Knicks. You know they've they've had they've kind of overachieved this year I think, but you look at their schedule down the stretch they've got a West Coast trip still coming, it's going to be very tough for them and I think they have two or three games with Miami two of them in Miami so that could you know uh, twist and then you look at the Brooklyn Nets the team that the Hawks beat on Sunday, you know they're they're starting to come back to the pack now without Irving and Durant and uh, you know the, the, it, they may come back and slide so there's opportunities you know, for the Hawks to, to move up into that number six spot and, and not saying that they can't advance from the, the play in tournament because they did it last year. The problem with that is that 
when you're in that play-in tournament, it's you know you're playing a game seven every night. So we had to play two game sevens last year, the one against Charlotte, and then you go into Cleveland and win and make it in as the number eight seed, and then have to play Miami last year. And you know they they were kind of out of gas by the time that happened. So you really want to try to avoid it. But if you have to be in the play-in, at least it gives you the opportunity to make it into the, the regular tournament. I was just looking at the Hawks' schedule. Man, you're right. That that road trip next week, two at Miami and two at Washington, they're doing that more now in the NBA. Boy, that could that could determine it right there. Yeah, I think that, you know, then we had another one with my with uh, Washington coming up, too, at the beginning of April. They play mm-hmm. the Bulls at the beginning of April, too. Uh, they're playing at the end of the season. They're playing the Celtics on the last day. And, you know, the Celtics may have everything clinched by then, and we may see their G League team, you know, on that game. And if it's a big game for the Hawks, let's hope that's the case, that, uh, you know, if it comes down to that last game of the season. So, uh, it, you know, it's it, it all, I mean, you look at the schedules and you look at this team and that team, and but then it comes down to what you do yourself, you know, and the sure. Hawks know that. They know that they're, you know, that they've kind of got it in their own hands now, and uh, they're not looking back at what previously happened and what could have been. Uh, they just look ahead now and, uh, you know, and say, why not? Absolutely. No question about it. And a couple of years ago, it obviously worked when they had a new voice, and hopefully it will this year as well. The early returns from what the players are saying. I love what the players are saying. That That's a really good, good I think, response. I mean, they, they've not thrown Nate McMillan under the bus, but I think they have – at least had the opportunity to welcome Quinn and because this is unusual. I can't remember the last time this has ever happened where you have a coach take over. That's not an interim. That just doesn't happen. Does not No, it's really unusual. And that's why I, I, you know, it was, it was lucky for the Hawks that he was available the way he was because he would have had a whole bunch of people knocking at his door this summer after the season ended. But one thing about Quinn, I mean, the players do, you know, they enjoy the fact that he's talking to them and communicating with them. Uh, but, uh, you know, the, uh, they have to realize, too, that he's he's like a no BS guy. You know, he's not going to he's not going to be buffaloed by these guys at all uh, if they don't come to the table with everything, uh, you know, ready to go every night. Because he said preparation is one of the biggest things for him. He wants every he wants to be prepared. He wants everybody else to be prepared. And I think that, that he's going to be hands on with that right from the right from the top to the bottom of the team. That's great. That's great. Can't wait to see how it works out for sure. Steve, thank you so much as always for your time. We always love having you on the program, and we will be listening to you tomorrow night. Or, I'm sorry, Friday night. night. <laughs> yeah, Friday night. Yeah. Well, tomorrow night you can listen to me. I'm going to be at the Roswell Rotary tomorrow. So, <laughs> <laughs> now, Take a recorder. We'll play it on Friday not, just in case. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Well, thank you. Th- you thank you, Steve. Always a pleasure. We appreciate it. Steve Holman, the legendary voice of the Atlanta Hawks. He is a uh, great broadcaster, great friend. We love having him on the program, and you can hear him right here on the Superstations every single game right here. We hope you'll listen to him. He's very, very good, that's for sure. All right, um, you know, I, I again, last night, it was a heck of a game. It was enjoyable. It was not enjoyable to see the Hawks drop the lead and lose the game by any means, but – uh, I, I like the energy. I know Quinn said that after the game. He liked the energy that he saw, and this wasn't some dumb Nate McMillan comment. It was, you know, he look, he, I don't know if he knew what to expect. I mean, this is an unusual situation. It never happens. I mean, like two years ago, okay, Nate McMillan, you got the re- end of the year. We'll see what happens the end, uh, after that. 
Well, they went on a 27-11 run, and he kept his job. You never know what's going to happen with the interim situation. Sometimes it works out. Sometimes it works out short-term. Sometimes it works out long-term. Look, remember, Brian Snicker was an interim manager until they finally decided to keep him after that year. So you, you have to uh, understand the uniqueness of the situation with, obviously, Prunty having a couple of games and then Quinn coming in, and, and now he does get that evaluation period. But I love what the players said. I mean, they, they did like those conversations that he had with everybody on the team. I, I liked watching them before the game started, just the interactions before the game and, and how he was talking to people. Um, Nate McMillan was just different. And, you know, the odd thing about it is uh, Nate McMillan's son, Jamil, is still on this coaching staff. So I, th- I think there's respect there, of course, from Quinn Snyder with the McMillan family and with Nate. He, I'm sure, knows Nate because they've coached against each other for, for many years in the NBA. So um, that's how the business is, unfortunately. But I'm sure he'll reevaluate to decide who he wants on his staff at the end of the year. But Prunty is a very good interim coach, obviously, for those two games. He's a very good assistant for Quinn Snyder to lean on uh, to know how things have gone the last two years under Nate McMillan and with Prunty there on that staff. And, you know, we'll see if they can bounce back on Friday against Portland and then, uh, like Steve said, have a real rough road trip, two in Miami and two in Washington, who are the two teams they are chasing. And we'll see. We'll see how they do. Up next, we'll talk Georgia football. Brent Rollins of UGASports.com and Pro Football Focus will join us. Then your phone calls. All that and more as we continue on this Wednesday afternoon right after this. This is Sports Radio 93.1 WWKM, thesuperstations.com. Welcome back to our broadcast. Thank you very much for being with us here on this midweek show. Phone calls coming up starting in our next segment. First, let's talk Georgia football. A little bit of NFL combine as well with Brent Rollins from UGASports.com and also Pro Football Focus at Brent Rollins PhD on Twitter. Hey, Brent, good afternoon. How are you, sir? Doing well. On my way to some high school baseball. Well, great. Uh, yeah, I, I told Brent we were texting earlier. I'd rather talk about that perhaps than the unfortunate topic we have to talk about. I, I just want your reaction, Brent, to all that we have learned today about the the January 15th crash and now the involvement of Jalen Carter. Well, it's one of those things where just you knew it was going to be bad when it came out. And it's bad. And it's really bad. And that that's the, like, you just hadn't known the details. You, you know, thought, heard whispers about X, Y, and Z, but now that you know that, hey, we have a, you know, some highly intoxicated kids driving at massive rates of speed, like, that's just, it's just sad and hurts and it's not good. No question. Uh, you you said right after this happened that you know that road. Um, and now that we know that Chandler LaCroix was driving at 104 miles an hour, at twice the legal limit. Uh, and, and Brent, look, I, I, I think I told you but when I was in Athens uh, about a month ago, I went over there, drove that road. I can't imagine going half that speed sober at that curve. Can you? No. 
not at all. I mean, it's because it's just a quick, just it catches you kind of curve. There's not really a great warning to it. You just feel like you're kind of on a normal road, and then all of a sudden there's a little whip to the left. I remember, like it's yeah, hundred yeah, percent. All right, so now, obviously, Jalen Carter had to leave the combine, and he says he's headed back to Athens to answer the charges and to try to exonerate himself. Uh, do we need to learn more? Do NFL teams need to learn more before we know how this is going to impact him, not only at the combine, but with the draft in two months? I think there just needs to be a finality to it. Because if it's lingering, then it becomes a thing. I mean, because you think back to uh, Lyle Collins, uh, the offensive tackle. Right. There was a lot of stuff that came out with him, and I I can't remember exactly what it was. It may have been like some domestic, but it came out literally, you know, days before the draft. And he went from possible mid to late first round to completely undrafted because there was no certainty. I think once there's some level of certainty with this, and I would, you know, you would hope that if there's, if it's not as, I guess if it's as minimal as maybe what it was made out to be in the report, for his, from his and his only perspective, then, you know, maybe that that certainty happens quickly and the teams move on and they gather their intel. Some teams might still completely take him off the board and just be like, okay, sorry, we're not, we're not entertaining this. But, you know, it's one of those where your talents, your talents trump your troubles. And, as long, like I said, as long as there's a finality to it, I think, I don't think it's going to impact his draft as Obviously, unless it's, like, becomes worse, and, you know, sort of worst-case scenario for him specifically. Well, and again, as I, I said, we don't know if there could be more charges or what else could come out uh, of, of this situation. And, Brent, I just hate that. Two players for the University of Georgia who were so important in the last two years of a national championship, back-to-back national championships, now have to answer questions about off-the-field stuff. Of course, look, I I know people are saying, hey, two people are dead here, but we're talking about the football angle of this. And it's just so sad that Jalen Carter, who I think, majority of the people who know anything about football would say is probably the best player in this draft. And also Stetson Bennett, as more information now is coming out today and the Athens Better Herald, I know Mark Weiser had it a day or two ago about what happened in Dallas. It just sickens me that both Jalen Carter and Stetson Bennett have to answer off-the-field questions to teams that are going to want to know. Yeah, it's, it becomes an annoying thing especially from the player's perspective. And you gotta, you have to be able to now stay calm because you're going to get asked the same questions likely 32 times <laughs> or you know, yeah. maybe less in Carter's case because of you know, how high he's predicted to be in the draft. But it just becomes a can you basically, you're being a professional starts instantaneously. It's not about your sort of talents. It's about how you handle yourself and everything about you and your character and all that goes with that. Brent, just 24 hours ago on our show, Russ and I were, were talking about, I actually asked Russ the question, all right, who, who would you rather have, uh, Jalen Carter, trade up to go Jalen Carter, 
to go with Grady Jarrett or Darnell Washington, trade up in the second round to go the late first round to get Darnell Washington to put with Kyle Pitts. And now, obviously, the conversation's changed a little bit. Uh, heck, Carter might be there at number eight. You may not have to trade up. But uh, I want to ask you that question as well. Which which would you prefer of those two options if they were available to the Falcons? Darnell. <laughs> I knew I that think, was going to be your answer. <laughs> well, one, I'm an, I'm an offense guy, so, like, yeah. <laughs> I, I lean offense. But, two, it's just the nature of the team. One, one defensive player is not going to change the Falcons' defense. Right. If they need six <laughs> impact players. You know, they, they just need – they need it in volumes. And that's where, to me, that's where all their money needs spent. Right. I, I think offense – is it's time to sort of uh, be the perfect, uh, I, I guess, grow all grow together. Like you have Pitts, you have London, you have Ritter, and maybe maybe you draft another quarterback at eight if dependent. Who knows? But when you have all these young guys on offense growing together, Algier, like I think that sort of it makes for you know, hey, I spend money on one side while my offensive players are cheap, and then once those offensive players grow up. Now I go and draft and put assets in the young, in the youth on the defensive side. Right. It just it makes sense to me to do that. We're two weeks away, almost to the moment, of when NFL free agency starts. Uh, along those same lines, you said kind of spend money on defense, and we were kind of debating this yesterday. Uh, uh, you know, they're not going to get the kid from Washington, Deron Payne, who got franchised, but J- Javon Hargrave from Philadelphia is available. And you wonder how he would be next to Grady Jarrett. What do you think about that? I, I think that'd be great. I go, go pay him. You got the space. You got the money. Go do it, Jesse. You know, you mentioned Jesse Bates. Like, go, go spend the money. Now, the, what will be fascinating to watch is how they structure because they're going to spend money. They're going to have to. Right. But how do they structure these contracts? Because, for example, New England two years ago, two or three years ago, whatever it was, went and spent, you know, gobs of money in free agency. But they structured the contracts to where they're still in a good spot two years later, salary cap-wise, versus what the previous regime did, which was, you know, structure those contracts to where you're going to long-term have long-term salary cap implications. So it's do they – do they go and spend a lot of money on one- and two-year deals? I, I think it's just going to be fascinating to see how they how it is they spend and allocate the money. Considering all the dead money they had to deal with when they inherited the position, I can't imagine them wanting to possibly have a repeat of that, can you? I mean, that, that stymied this team from doing anything significant for two years. Yes, and I agree. And it's you want to stay away from that. You want to be smart with it. And – most importantly, all of it has to go to, all right, are we helping our quarterback? And yeah. one, two, or two, like, are they going to go, you know, could they go sign a Derek Carr? I don't think they've, they haven't really been linked to him. He hasn't met with him. But him or Tannehill or one of these one of these sort of veteran guys, do they go that route or do they sort of bring in another young quarterback? Brent Rollins, our guest, we're talking uh, NFL football and talk about the talking about the the falcons with the the combine coming up and the chance to see some of these players i i know the lamar jackson question is going to be asked a lot uh i i, I asked that because 
the Orlando Ledbetter just tweeted about it. He, he, he literally just tweeted landing Lamar Jackson would instantly transform the quarterback last Falcons. Um, but does the price of that, and, and you talked about their needs, even though they have salary cap room, they'd have to spend a lot of that on Jackson. Does, does that deter that possibility for you? It does for me, especially when I think I can go draft a guy at eight. But the big but for me is this team has been boring, like just straight boring for two, <laughs> three, four years. And at least Lamar gives you some level of, hey, I need to see what this looks like because you have an offensive coach. You have a guy who is you – you add a former MVP who's only 26 years old and yeah. who's legit like three months young or only three or four months older than Stetson. Like You add that <laughs> – you know, I, okay, now I'm interested. Now I at least want to watch versus just okay. We're gonna we're gonna go play a twenty to seventeen, and then it's just gonna be ho hum. Like at least, <laughs> and you know about this in Atlanta itself. Like Atlanta, you 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 can't just be you know, either really good or you got to be really entertaining. And I think more has that. And if you can get him, go for it. Why not? Well, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see if they're going to be tempted by that. I do. And you bring up a great point. And he, even with, you know, look, uh, every team in football is going to be linked to that number one pick. And I know uh, Miles Garrett uh, of Fox 5 asked Terry Fontenot yesterday about, look, when you have a situation like that where it's obvious the number one pick is on the open market, do you check in with them? And Terry Fontenot said, yeah, sure. I mean, I think we're going to, we're going to do that. And, and it sounded like he probably already had. And, you know, I can't imagine – well, I mean, I could have imagined yesterday, but maybe not now, about Jalen Carter being the target if they moved up. Because it's going to be one of those quarterbacks, don't you think, if they did move up to number one? Oh, yeah, 100%. I actually, I actually tend to think that the four of the first six picks could potentially be quarterbacks. Really? Like, I, I think it's the four quarterbacks – and Carter and Will Anderson. But those are the first yeah. six picks wow. in some order. Yeah, it sounds like if Richardson has a good weekend, Brent, it's going to be hard to keep him out of the top six. It's, he, To me, he's the one for Atlanta just because of what he does and what he can be. I know SEC and, and, and Georgia fans kind of like, what are you, are you crazy? But <laughs> the things with him are, from a mechanical standpoint – one, are fixable. Two, I think, are minimized a little bit in the NFL because of the, how the style of play and, one, especially Arthur Smith's offense. But three, there's, there's, just, there's things where he's instantly going to be a one-percenter, top one you know, to two-percent guy physically at the position in the league. And when you think about, hey, could I get a young quarterback that, in two to three years, is one of the better quarterbacks in the league, and at least talent-wise, and then production. Like it, it makes too much sense to me. Terry Fontenot also said, Brent, that he really didn't tie, want to time himself down to anyone as far as the quarterback situation is concerned. It's not like I guess that means that he's going to come out and say. All right, Desmond Ritter is our starter no matter what. But if they did that and, let's say, drafted Richardson at eight, what would that mean for Desmond Ritter, in your opinion? I Go compete. Go be the best guy. Yeah. 
I mean, the best man win. It really is, and I, I think in that situation, it's not like you've committed heavy resources to Ritter. He's a third round pick, right? You know, it's not like he is a first round pick who's financially, you know, committed. And yes, you bring in a first round pick, but guess what? You're at least taking a swing at the absolute most important position in the game. You, and the more swings you take, and if you until you find the guy, because. The beautiful part about where the Falcons are to me, and I will constantly harp on this, is they are in the NFC. That is the right. place to be. You yes. don't have to beat Burrow, Allen, Mahomes, Lawrence, like Herbert. You don't have to beat those guys two or three times in a row. Yeah. No, I, I think you're right. I, I don't think there's any doubt about it. I, I think my only thing about this conversation, and I, I understand the temptation with Lamar. I understand the, the temptation with one of the four quarterbacks. I almost prefer that Desmond Ritter would have gotten three or four more games to have quieted this so he won't have to worry about it because, Mike, when you look at this yep. roster, and you alluded to this, Brent, I mean, they've got a ton of holes to fill between this draft and free agency. And it would be so much easier if it was a slam dunk. We're not taking a quarterback no matter what. We've got our guy. But there seems to be still ambiguity in that issue. Yeah, and that's – you think about, all right, what's your your choices are one QB go after a Lamar, which, by the way, they've already shown that they would do in a way. Right. Because they that's right. went after you – know, they made interest in Deshaun. But then two – it's all right if you don't. You're following the Eagles' model, and now you're saying that this year we want to see improvement. We want to see a full season in him as a starter, and just improve to the point where we feel good about it in year three. And you go and continually invest, and then in year three you expect to be really good, a la what the Eagles were this past season. Yeah. If that yeah, and if he's and if he's the guy, and there's not a, you know, you don't bring in a Tannehill. Maybe you know your backup is a somebody who's more on the downside, not necessarily that could come in and instantly compete and be your starter, right. then that, that's your model, and that's fine. So go invest the resources, go spend the money while you can, and go be as good as you possibly can be because the division is 100% wide open. Oh, no doubt about that. No doubt. I mean, I, I, I'd be shocked if in two months, regardless of what they do, with the improvement to the roster that we're going to see, if we do not say – this is the team to beat in the NFC South. Wouldn't you be shocked if we don't say that? I think you're right. Yes. Yeah. I think, at least from a I – mean, I think Carolina could be sneaky with the QB market, but I do think they'll actually go young QB draft-wise. Uh, but yeah. outside of that, I, I mean, I do think New Orleans could – you know, be in the Derek Carr sweepstakes, be you know, sure. or not so sweepstakes, but in the market. Uh, yeah. But in that realm, and they're always finding ways to figure out whatever the you know the make believe cap is. So it, you never know. But I do think, like you said, once you get through free agency and you see the money that is spent, likely on the defensive side of the ball, Atlanta should be in prime position to be that content, that primary guy or odds-on favorite for the division. Brent Rollins has been our guest talking football. Great stuff, my friend. We appreciate it. Enjoy the Combine. We'll chat about what we saw in the Combine next week with you, okay? Awesome. Sounds great. Thanks, Bill. All right. All right. Thank you. Brent Rollins.
at Brent Rollins, Ph.D., great information, UGASports.com, Pro Football Focus. And, uh, boy, in two weeks it will be great timing to have him on when we know what the Falcons are going to do. Tell you what, before we open up the phone lines, and we definitely want to talk to you because I know a lot of people probably have a lot of thoughts on what's happened today with UGA and with Jalen Carter. I, I want to talk more about this Falcon stuff. I want Russ and I to kind of chew the fat on this with the quarterback situation and all the different options. I mean, this is going to be a fun two weeks leading up to free agency. And the first thing is the combine, which starts tomorrow. I mean, if you love the Falcons at all, you're going to love the next two weeks with all it's the hot stove league here in early March with NFL football. And it's a lot of fun, especially when your team has $68 million in cap room. Russ and I will come back and talk about that. And then your phone calls at the top of the hour. That and more right after this. Thanks for being with us here on this Wednesday, quarter till top of the hour, where we will take phone calls starting at 5 o'clock. We'll open up the phone lines then. Uh, Russ, uh, we said last year when Desmond Ritter was drafted, our almost prayer was, all right, Desmond, go out there and make sure that there is absolutely no question about the fact that you are the quarterback so that whatever that first-round draft pick in 2023 would be, it would not have to be a quarterback. And I hate that there is any slither in anyone, not just not just me and you, but anyone's mind of whether or not there should be a temptation to go after a Lamar Jackson or one of the top four quarterbacks in this draft. And I do believe that if Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot had given – Desmond Ritter, more than four games, we may be in that mindset, we collectively as a, as a group. Uh, I still prefer, uh, because of the number of needs this team has, for them to spend uh, their resources elsewhere, their, their draft capital on another player, and to keep their draft capital instead of trading for Lamar Jackson and to get the players they need to make this roster much, much better because it's not in good shape. However, I truly do understand the temptation that Lamar Jackson is going to bring to the table. And also, if you fall in love with one of these four quarterbacks that you could have. And again, as I said, I, I, I think that if there is a conversation about the number one pick, when you have a situation like this and you don't have a star quarterback – like Seattle and Carolina and Indianapolis and all these other teams are going to be involved in these conversations, you're going to think about it. So it, it, it <laughs> my worst-case scenario, Russ, has almost come true, where the conversation is going to be out there, and until we know that they don't go draft a quarterback at eight or don't trade for Lamar Jackson or don't bring in someone who is truly going to compete with Desmond Ritter, I think all possibilities are on the table for this team right now. Yeah, I, you know, if they fall in love with one of these guys in the draft, I mean, and then I think Richardson would be the the one. I think Brent was all over that. Um, he would be the one. The thing about it for me is if you're specifically Terry Fontenot, I mean, you're pushing your chips to the middle of the table and saying this is our guy because if you're wrong, two or three years down the road, the, the Falcons are probably going to be looking for a new general manager. Um, so I would be really, really hesitant to do that. Plus, it makes 2022 a complete throwaway year. Um, you know, well, not complete because yeah. I guess you got 
Drake London and, and some guys on the defense. But for the most part, I mean, the Desmond Ritter pick is, is wasted. Uh, you had a season of Marcus Mariota as your quarterback and then four with a, a rookie that you just threw to the side after his rookie year. So I, 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 that's not a move I'd be in favor of. The Lamar Jackson, it's more of a sure thing. And I, I don't know if he – and this is the tricky part because I don't know that Lamar Jackson gets you to the Super Bowl, but it definitely makes the team interesting – uh, immediately more in- interesting. Um, you know, there is a ticket sales issue, with, and it would certainly help with that, and this team would be a lot more fun to watch. So I think if Lamar – which, and I don't think Lamar Jackson is going to become available, but if he does, I think there will be a real temptation there because that a, a single move to bring him in, and obviously he's going to eat up a lot of the cap space uh, with a new contract, but that move would immediately make your franchise relevant again. This team needs a cheap quarterback for a while. <laughs> yeah. You know, they really – the combination of cap space and a cheap quarterback can lead to a good foundation financially for you to build to where you, when you're ready to pay a quarterback, whether it is Desmond Ritter or some other veteran that comes available in a year or two years, three years, whatever, it, it, it just makes it a little bit easier. Um, because I, I think one thing that Brent said is so correct – the key for Terry Fontenot to be very careful of not getting in the same boat that Thomas Dimitrov was in is tremendously important. I mean, my God, you've got to be careful. And I just don't know how if they traded for Lamar Jackson, they would avoid that because they've got so many needs. They would have to turn around Russ and hit home runs on every draft pick to be able to, to truly get this roster to where it needs to be. And I don't know if that's possible yet. Yeah. Yeah, no, it does. It's too, it does. It feels too early. You know, it, it, have a year where you build the roster through free agency and another year of draft picks. And then have a year where you – I mean, it's a lot of pressure on Desmond, but, you know, see if he can prove that he's the franchise quarterback. Because that's the thing. If you're I, – I think they've done a good job in the draft the past two years. If you continue that success yeah. – and you sign the right free agents, and he is the franchise quarterback, going into 2024-25, you're in much better shape with that path than you are drafting a quarterback or trading for Lamar Jackson. There are just so many areas of this team we don't know about. You know, we, we, we don't know about the secondary after A.J. Terrell. We, we don't know – I mean, there's just tons of talent – or rather, I'm sorry – I wish tons of questions at linebacker after Troy Anderson. I mean, we obviously think that they like him a great deal. I, I don't know what to think of Ibikite and Malone after one year. I don't, did we see enough? Do we need to see more? I don't know. Um, God knows I want more offensive linemen, uh, and I think they need another receiver. I mean, there's just a lot. There's a lot to look at for this roster, and – that's why if they could bring in a Carson Wentz who's 30 years old and who could be a great backup to Desmond Ritter and they can go get an offensive lineman, a defensive tackle, an edge rusher or two, and a linebacker and a safety. And a, I mean, we're talking about multiple positions for them to fill. Multiple. I mean, I, I just I don't know how many spots they can feel comfortable about. That's another thing we said, Russ, last year, even after the draft. We said, look, okay, there's some interesting players here, but how many are going to make this team feel confident about that position when they go into the 2023 draft? Out of the 22 on the field, 
I don't know what that number is even today. Yeah, uh, it's it, and that's the thing. It just they're still so early in this rebuild that you know it just uh, you, you got to we got to find out more. You know, there's Caleb McGarry. You know that we're going to have that question answered. Do yeah. they add offensive and defensive linemen in the draft? Is Ryan Nielsen the right guy, defensive coordinator, to develop this pass rush? Um, and and you know what you don't want to do. I you know going back and I'll use the Hawks as an example. You know, they were kind of going along in their rebuild, and then they had that year where they signed Bogey and Danilo Gallinari and some other free agents, and it felt like they were jumping ahead a little bit. And I think it got them in some trouble, uh, you know, that they're trying to get out of right now. And, you know, if the Falcons were to do that, specifically trade for Lamar Jackson, it would have that feel to where you're jumping ahead a little bit because there are still going to be some holes. I mean, you've got to find a burner at wide receiver. Um, that that has to happen. You've got to find help in the secondary and and the pass rush. I mean, it, there's just, it, it, it. I think it would be hard to do that in one off season, especially if you bring in a guy like Lamar Jackson, who you're going to have to turn around and give you know thirty five, forty, forty five million dollars a year to, which is going to eat up most uh, of that cap space. I know. I mean, I, I just you can't do that. You cannot. You can't give up the draft capital and turn around and. Give him that much money. I, I mean, I hate to say that because I agree with what Brent said. Uh, he's right. But I, I just think you have to balance that with what you have as other needs on this team. And there's just too many. There's too many needs. While they have had good draft picks, they have filled some needs. There are still a lot because of the dead money that they had to carry on this roster last year. And that's is so unfortunate. And they can't get into that mess again because that, that just tied them up to where – you can almost say it was a wasted year anyway, Russ, because, I mean, they didn't have much chance to compete more than the 7-10 and 10 that they went, to be honest with you. All right, we're going to open up the phone lines now. We know that probably a lot of people have some thoughts on what's happened today with the Jalen Carter story and with more information coming out about the tragedy on January the 15th in Athens. Now is your time to talk about that, 478-646-3776. 478-646-ESPN. You can also go on Twitter at Bill Shanks, at Russ underscore E underscore Brown. But we'd love to hear from you, 478-646-ESPN. Hawks fans, what do you think about the debut of Quinn Snyder last night? We could talk about that as well as the Falcons. Falcons fans, what do you think about quarterback? Do you look at Lamar? Do you look at one of these top four? And you're going to have to move up if you do that. That means you're going to give away more draft capital. And also the question of, all right, if you're running an NFL team, do you draft Jalen Carter? Back with your phone calls and more sports talk here on The Bill Shanks Show.